When I was a kid growing up, uh, there was uh, uh, a lot of fun that happened on hot summer days. We're in, Chris, uh, we're in summer vacation from school, and uh, it was back in the day when you could play outside all day long and uh, have a great time. Uh, we would do all kinds of different things. We played soccer and football and baseball, and we'd chase butterflies, literally chase butterflies, and and collected butterflies for a season. We did all kinds of just fun stuff like that. And it was, it was the middle of the summer in Texas, so it was hot. It was hot. It was Dallas, so it wasn't humid like Southeast Texas, but it was hot. And so growing up in Dallas, um, as a young kid, we'd have all this fun time, but it, was, it would get so, so hot in the summer. And then from a distance you would hear the chimes of joy. It, it, a ringing, sing-songy kind of joy that you would hear far off in the distance. A melody that would begin to play, and as you listen intently, you could hear it drawing closer and closer. And it promised great joy because it was the ice cream truck. And we would hear the promise of joy from the ice cream truck far, far away, and we would all run inside uh, and say, yell to mom and dad, or mom at that point, mom, the ice cream truck is coming. The ice cream truck is coming. And we would then go outside, and mom would stand there with us at the corner. We would listen and wait, not very impatiently, but we would wait for the joy to arrive. Israel was waiting for joy to arrive. A joy that was more profound than two scoops of chocolate chip on a hot summer Texas day. They were looking for joy. In fact, all humanity was looking for joy to arrive. And it was the joy of God invading this world with his presence. It was a promise that God made. At a specific time in history, Israel uh, was a divided kingdom. Judah was in the south. Israel was in the north. And they weren't friends, Judah and Israel. They weren't friends, even though they came from the same uh, stock. They were not friends. And there came a day when uh, the king of the northern kingdom and Syria... A guy named Rezin and the king of uh, the northern king of Pekah. So Pekah and Rezin, uh, what a great combination. Sounds like an ice cream cone. They decided to join forces and attack King Ahaz in the southern kingdom, Judah. And Ahaz, the son of Uzziah, you remember Uzziah, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah goes to the temple of the Lord. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, uh, he went to the temple of the Lord, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and train of, his Lord, uh, train of the Lord filled the temple, and, and, uh, and, and the angels gathered around saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's Isaiah 6. That was when Uzziah died. Now his son Ahaz, who wasn't a good king, Ahaz was in trouble because these two powerful kings had decided to join forces and attack Judah. 
Ahaz was in trouble. And in the midst of that trouble, God sent a promise. It was a promise more than just an ice cream cone on a summer day. It was the promise of himself invading the scene of human history. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself, this is Isaiah speaking to Ahaz, says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel may not mean anything to you, but it certainly meant something to Ahaz. It meant something to Isaiah. Emmanuel is a name that literally, when you break apart the Hebrew, it means God is with us. And that was the promise. And as time passed and as, as, as decades passed, and even as the centuries passed, uh, Israel began to... the children of God, began to look at this passage and say, this is the promise of God invading the scene of human history where he would set all things right and there wouldn't be any more bad stuff because God would be in charge. That's how they viewed it. You fast forward and to about 4 B.C. And all of a sudden, God brings a promise to fulfillment. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she'll bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying... Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God with us. The very essence of Christmas. I want you to hear this. The very essence of Christmas. God with us. God with us is a promise made to Ahaz, but it's also a promise made to humanity. And in 4 BC, in a little town of Bethlehem, to Mary and Joseph, there was born a miraculous child, more than man, yet fully man. He was fully God, too. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us, that is an historical fact. Jesus literally was born in Bethlehem. Any honest historian would say, yes, Jesus was born in the Middle East somewhere. Yes, there was this guy named Jesus, and he was born. He was probably born around 4 or 3 or 5 B.C., somewhere in there. He was born. It is an historical fact Jesus is born, but it's also a literal fact that Jesus is God with us. Get this. Don't downplay Christmas as just good tunes and good vibes. 
Christmas is the celebration of the God of the universe taking on flesh and bone and dwelling among us. This is Christmas, the literalness of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Jesus is God. He always has been and always will be God, the second person of the Godhead. Jesus is God, but Jesus became flesh and bone, a man. The creator became something of creation. And Jesus is God, became man, God, literally God with us. And guys, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, the historical and the literal. But Christmas is only good tunes and good vibes unless that which is historical and that which is literal becomes personal. What we need to understand is that it is only through faith in Jesus Christ, through this transformation of God's grace that Jesus does in us. It is only through this wondrous encounter with Jesus by faith that brings us into God's family that awakens in us the reality of God with us personally. Certainly, certainly, certainly when the angels uh, on the outskirts of Bethlehem in Luke 2, when the angels got together and they met with the shepherds and they had a convocation and, and they talked and said, there's this day in the city of David, a Savior, born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign of you, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That was an announcement of the literal. It was the reality of historical. And then the whole heaven was filled with the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There was something about that birth that would change the landscape of our world. It truly was good tidings of great joy. But what makes it great, what gives us joy is when we personally know Jesus as God with us. That's not a religious exercise. That's not a moral exercise. That's not a, 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 a general exercise of the season in which we live. No, God with us being personally applied is a wondrous work of God's grace that changes us from the inside out and brings us into God's family. And so many of us who gather here, we have tasted this wondrous transaction of grace. We have experienced God with us, God with me. He's changed me. He's made me alive. I was dead in my sin and trespass. I've been made alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, I've been saved. How about you? It's changed us. So that Christmas is a season of good tunes and good vibes because we have a new heart and a new life found in Christ. And we sing with the angels, good tidings, great joy. And Jesus is God with us. As we look at Matthew chapter 1, I want us to 
to understand that Christmas promises joy to the world, but it, it's, it's, it's promised to us, but it's received only when we know Jesus personally. The promise of Christmas is great joy to us, joy to the world, literally. But, but the reality is we can, we can have that joy because God is with us personally, not generically. God with us personally, not just literally and historically. God with us personally. you got to know him for Christmas to have good vibes and good tunes and filled with great joy. That lasts. Yesterday, Edie and I put up stuff, Christmassy stuff. And my job is always hanging the stuff on the windows. Edie does a great job of preparing all the things that need to hang on the windows. And as I was hanging stuff on the windows yesterday, I was just thankful for one thing. Uh, Several things, but one thing in particular. Thank you, Lord, that these are fake wreaths. Because the real deal, they get brittle and they get dry. By December 25th, they're brown, not green. They're ugly. And that's the way Christmas is for so many of the people around us. Christmas is a season that fades, celebration that dissipates, that browns, that it doesn't last. Why? Because they don't know God with us personally. But if you do, if you know God personally through faith in Jesus Christ, then make no mistake, Christmas changes everything. Christmas, Jesus coming, Jesus being born, Jesus living a perfect life, Jesus dying on a cross for our sin, Jesus being raised from the dead, all of that paves the way for you and for me to experience joy in the presence of God through Christ You and I are made fit for God's family, not through the works that you do, not through the works that I do, but through Christ. His righteousness, his holiness, his beauty makes us fit for God's family. And when we, by faith, take hold Jesus, turn from our sin, trust in him, in that moment, that that encounter with the living Savior, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, it changes everything for us. God literally is with us from that moment forward. And that produces joy. All through Scripture it says if you're in the presence of God, there's joy. From Genesis to Revelation, perhaps nowhere clearer than Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, 11 says, In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you get that? In your presence. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Pleasures forevermore. Do you want to know the secret sauce of a joyful life? God with us. That's it. It's not your team winning the SEC championship game. Or the ACC championship game. Or the Big 12 championship game. It's not not the uh, perfect uh, hole-in-one in a golf tournament. Now, those things are fun. It's not catching the big, beautiful 25-inch brown trout on a size 20 mercury midge. And y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. It sounds like a lot of fun. 
Those are, those are joyful things, but they don't give us lasting joy. What gives us lasting joy is the presence of God, God with us. So in the next few moments, I want us to take just a, 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 a kind of a, a quick dash through the story that we find in Isaiah 7 and in the story that we find in Matthew chapter 1. And let's see how God with us gives us joy, how he promises joy. What is it about Jesus that gives us joy in everyday living? The first thing I would have you see and understand is that God with us gives us joy because God with us chases away fear. I don't know how many of y'all have watched um, Home Alone, the movie. And it, if you haven't, here's it made in 1990 before some of y'all were born. Uh, but Home Alone is a movie that was made. It stars uh, Macaulay Culkin, and, uh, and, and it tells the story of a little eight-year-old boy who's left at his home all alone while the rest of his uh, expansive family go on vacation. They don't mean to leave him home alone. They forget about him. And so the rest of the movie is made uh, telling the story of how Kevin navigates the being home alone. And, and you would think that's a frightening thing for a kid, and it was, and he talked about being scared, uh, but especially at the end of the movie. Um, Kevin is scared and alone, eight years old. He's traversed a lot of difficulties and challenges, burglars that he's beaten up and everything. But at the end of the movie, he's meeting with an older gentleman named Marley. And Marley is, uh, has discovered that Kevin is alone, and Marley's kind of uh, helping him out. Marley, Marley uh, and Kevin are talking, and, and Kevin says to Marley, he says, No offense, sir, but aren't you a little too old to be scared? To which Marley replied, I'm too old for a lot of things, but I'm never too old to be afraid. Now, we're never too old to be afraid. Fear hits us in different ways and from different places and vantage points. Fear can strike in, uh, in a surprising way or a very predictable way, but fear hits all of us. We're never too old, never, never too smart, never too religious to be afraid. Ahaz was afraid. Now, you can imagine, that's kind of predictable, Ahaz to be afraid. Uh, I mean, he had these two superpowers coming after him. He's going to take him down, uh, and there wasn't anything Ahaz could do. There was no defense against these two powerhouses. But when Isaiah spoke the word of God to Ahaz, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, here's, here's what God said to Ahaz. Take heed. Be quiet. Do not be afraid. Take heed. Take heed of what? Take heed of the promise that God was going to give. Be quiet. Stop wrangling about and trying to figure stuff out on your own. You're not going to get it done. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because God is about to be with you. Mary was afraid. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was afraid. You can imagine, teenager, uh, going to have a baby, her betrothed is not the daddy. The Holy Spirit has done this, and uh, it's a true story, but who's going to believe it? Mary was afraid. In Luke chapter 
1 verse 30 when the angel came and told Mary what was getting ready to happen. Here's how he said. He said, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. The favor of God. This is the very presence of God's power at work in her life. What, what chased away fear was the promise of God's presence. Joseph. And Joseph was afraid. Matthew chapter 1, our text today, Joseph felt the shock and the sense of betrayal, the humiliation that would come with the news that Mary's going to have a baby. He was afraid. He was afraid because he, he, he didn't want to hurt Mary, but he was also afraid because he didn't want judgment to be too severe. He was afraid because he loved Mary, and he felt deep loss. And Joseph was afraid. Now listen. Listen to what the messenger of the Lord said to him. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife. Don't be afraid. I, I know that so often we, we hear this wonderful report that we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. And I really want you to hear that. I, I, I want you to hear that. Christmas means that, that God is with us personally and powerfully. And so when I say God with us chases away fear, you, you say, oh, yeah, I know. I'm afraid that so often you're like I am. Yeah, I know that, that, that Jesus can chase away fear. I know that to be true. But, boy, I wish he would start chasing away fear. Like the mama talking to her little son, Johnny, said, Johnny, I need you to get uh, a can of tomato soup out of the pantry. And Johnny, about five years old, he hated the pantry because it was dark. And he said, Mama, I'm scared of going to the pantry. It's dark in there. And, and, and Mama said, Johnny, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. I'm right outside. Don't, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. But, but Johnny, I mean, he's fine. He said, no, but you don't understand how dark it is in there. And I don't want to go in there. And, and, and finally, the mama said in frustration, because she was making stuff, she needed that can. And she said, Johnny, just go on into the pantry. Don't be afraid. Jesus will go with you. Next thing you see is Johnny peeking his head, just his head inside the pantry door, and he's calling out, hey, Jesus, if you're in there, will you hand me a can of tomato soup? <laughs> hey, we, that's kind of how we want it, right? I don't want to go through the fear. I just want you to hand me the soup. One of the lessons that we learn in this passage is Mary was still going to have to go through the, the trauma of her pregnancy. And we, we know that Joseph was still going to have to be ridiculed by his buddies at the city gate. We knew that both their parents probably did not understand, nor did they probably believe either Joseph or Mary. They had to go through the dark place. But they had confidence that God would be with them as they went. You're going through a dark place. You're going through struggling times. Take hold the hand of Jesus. And as you take hold the hand of Jesus, you'll find the joy of his presence chasing away fear. You've seen it. And in our worship care, you drop off your toddler 
into worship care and they'll go there and maybe they don't enjoy the idea of being, uh, you know, left there while you come in here and have such a great time. And uh, maybe that's how they see it. But, but anyway, if you watch these, these little children, they, they see you getting ready to drop them off and you're getting ready to turn around and walk the other way. And what do they do? And they grab your leg. You ever seen that? They grab your leg. They don't want to let go. Oh, my goodness, that's how we're supposed to be with Jesus. When we go into uncertainties and difficulties and dark places and despairing moments, what do we do? Grab hold the leg of Jesus. Don't let go. He is God with us, and he chases away fear. We can find joy because Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, chases away fear. We can find joy because when we have faith that, uh, that Emmanuel will give us the strength we need. You see, faith in Emmanuel gives us strength for daily moments of despair. Faith in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. When uh, God was speaking to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, he made all these grand promises. He said, uh, Ephraim's going to be gone. You know, uh, don't worry about Syria. Don't worry about the northern kingdom. I'm going to take care of them. They're going to be dust. And then in verse 9 of chapter 7, at the end of verse 9, here's what he said. He, God said, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. He's saying, look, I'm making these promises. you got to believe me you got to believe me, and if you believe me, I will help you stand firm. When Joseph was wondering and wrangling about what to do about Mary, he was struggling and he was, he, he was uh, caught in the vortex of all kinds of competing emotions, and, and he didn't know what to do. But at the end of the dream, he got up and he believed that what God told him was the truth. And his belief gave him the courage to step forward. In verse 24 of Matthew 1, it says, he did everything God told him to do. Listen, we find strength for daily living not through our own resources, but through a faith that trusts in the God who is with us. God's with us. And that changes everything today. God's with us, and, and that, that gives us the strength we need to navigate today and tomorrow and the next day. There's a, I'm telling a lot of little boy stories, but here's another little boy story. A little boy, I've told this one before, but it's so good. A little boy, his dad gave him an assignment. He said, I want you to take all the rocks in the backyard, and I want you to pile them up against the fence. And so the boy said, okay. And he went to the backyard, and he picked up the rocks, and he moved them to the fence, and he moved them to the fence, and he moved them to the fence. His dad was in the kitchen looking out the backyard, uh, looking out the window toward the backyard, watching his son go through all this. And, and, and uh, he watched his son handle all the rocks except for one. There was one big rock in the backyard, and that's the one that the dad had been waiting for. And he watched as his son pushed and pulled and tugged and, and broke a sweat trying to move that big rock. And he couldn't move. He couldn't lift it. Couldn't, couldn't tug it. Couldn't push it. And finally frustrated, he came back inside. He said, Dad, I've done, I, I've done all the rocks except for that one big rock. I can't move it. And the dad said to his son, have you used 
all your strength to move that rock. And the son said, look at me. I'm sweated all the way through my shirt. Of course I've used all my strength. And the dad said, well, I don't believe you. Go back outside and use all the strength you have. And so the son, frustrated and exasperated, but obedient like I was as a little boy, went back out to the backyard. He pushed and he pulled and he tugged. And, and, and try as he might, he could not budge that rock. Defeated and frustrated, he came back inside and said, Dad, I, I can't move it. And the dad asked again, have you used all the strength you have? And the son said, look at me. Of course I have. And the dad said, oh, no, son, you haven't used all the strength you have. And the son was like, what do you mean? Of course I have. I've used every ounce of strength. I, don't, I can't push. I can't pull. I can't tug anymore. And the dad said, well, son, you haven't used all the strength you have because you haven't asked me for help. Hey, listen. God with us means that God is there to help us. That's what it means. God with us means that his Power and the resources available to him are now power and resources available to you and me. So if we believe, if we will cling, if we will surrender and submit to the living Jesus Christ, make no mistake, he'll give us the resources we need to navigate through even the most difficult of circumstances. But you got to believe. you got to put your faith in Jesus And when we believe on Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the God who is with us is greater than any of the circumstances against us. Trust him. And you'll find joy. Finally, we, we find joy not only because God with us Chases away fear, not only because faith in Emmanuel gives us strength, but, but also because Jesus has come to set our lives right. Can, can I tell you, that really is the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas isn't about a Grinch up in a cave somewhere. The message of Christmas isn't about uh, a guy in a red suit um, tumbling down a chimney. The message of Christmas is one thing. That God in his love saw you in your sin and determined that he would do whatever it took to rescue you from the power of that sin, from the penalty of that sin, from the condemnation of that sin. God told Joseph, you need to marry Mary, Mary, Mary. You need to marry Mary, take her to be your wife because... She's going to have a son, and you need to understand who this son is. This is Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sin, save you from your sin. The greatest enemy to joy that you and I have is sin, because sin means separation from God. And there was no way for us to bridge the distance that our sin had created between us and a holy God. There's no way. 
Not enough religion, not enough good stuff, not enough uh, saintly songs are ever going to bridge the distance that our sin had created between us and a holy God. So God came to us to build that bridge. God with us, Jesus Christ, who died for our sin upon a cross, your sin and mine. He died so that through faith in him we might live. He died so that his death might pay the price that our sin demanded. He died so that we might be made right with God, fit for God's family. None of it has to do with what you or I do. The only thing we bring to the equation of our rescue, of setting our lives right, the only thing that we bring to that equation is our own sin and brokenness. And in the midst of our sin and in the midst of our brokenness, God sends Jesus, God sends himself to rescue us. You know, the message, the meaning, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message and the meaning of Christmas. That God truly loves you and me in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our stubbornness, against him and even hostility toward him. God loves us so that he would send Jesus. God become flesh to be with us, to die for us so that we might live. And today, if you are here and you have experienced that wonderful reality you personally apply the joy of salvation to your own life and to your own heart. Guys, there's no reason why we can't sing and rejoice because we have been rescued. Our lives, which were broken, are now made whole because of Jesus, the Savior who sets us right. But if you're here today and you've never experienced that, if you have never, ever experienced the broken pieces of your life being made whole through Jesus Christ, then I invite you today to come to Christ by faith. He is God with us, and he offers you joy, but that joy can only be found when you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. That joy can only be found when you come to the end of all the stuff that you're looking to to give you life and to make you right and all that stuff, let go of it and just look to Jesus and say, you are my only hope. Some of you are here in the room online and you know that you are separated from God by your sin and you need Jesus to rescue you. And Jesus is ready. He's ready to rescue. Will you receive him today? That's what it means to be rescued, is receiving Jesus. It means giving him all that you are, 
all your baggage, all your failures, all your sin, giving him all that you are, and he will give you all that he is, all of his righteousness and all of his forgiveness and all of his life. Are you ready to receive him? If that's who you are, I invite you to call upon him. Just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. I know that you came to rescue me, that you provided a way for my rescue through your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. So, Jesus, I ask you to save me today. And I commit to give you all that I am. The Bible says that when we call upon Jesus in that way, that yes, in that moment, God is with us personally to save us. So right now, I'm asking all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you long to be rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus, you, you want God with you here and now personally. You want to taste the joy of a life made whole. Then I invite you today to call upon Jesus. In prayer, simply pray this prayer if it's the desire of your heart. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, that my sin has separated me from you. I believe that you came to rescue me. That you are God, always have been, always will be, but you became flesh and bone to rescue me from my sin. Because of my sin, you went to a cross and you died for me to pay the price that my sin demanded. You were raised from the dead to give me a new heart and a new life. So today, Jesus, I give you all that I am, everything, my past, my present, my future, my job, my hopes, my ambitions. I give you everything. And I ask you to save me. For every person who prayed that prayer, whether online or in the room, I want to invite you this morning to text Jesus to the number on the screen or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org. Just say, hey, I prayed to receive Jesus, or I have questions about what that means. If you're in the room, in a minute, we're all going to stand together and we're going to sing praise to Emmanuel, God with us. And if you invited Jesus to rescue you, I invite you to come and talk to one of the ministers that will be here at the front. We'd love to share with you more about that. If coming down front is something that is a little more off-putting than what you want to do, after we sing and after we close, there's going to be an opportunity for you to go to the next step station in the middle of the foyer, little tables, tall tables. You go there and just say, I prayed to receive Jesus. We want to help you with that. Now, God, I pray in these next few moments as we worship you that you would be glorified, that you would draw to yourself those whom you are calling, whether they're online or in the room, 
And God, that you would nourish the souls of those who belong to you with the joy that is ours because of you. I pray that you would speak, we would respond with obedience, with joy and celebration. Now do a mighty work of your grace. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.